Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. for about 20 years after founding two. We have a church planner in the building. Sister Atkins, would you wave your hand over there? We honor you today. We're so blessed that you're here. Thank you for all of the years you spent in changing people's lives. Let's honor her today. We're so glad Sister, Sister Atkins is here with us. Amen. Amen. We're so glad for all of our guests that are in the building. We're so thankful that you've taken time to be with us and all of those that are watching online today. We welcome you to the Anchor Church. We feel it's a church that God is blessed. Amen. One of the greatest churches in the world. We're so glad that you've taken time to join us today and we welcome you. There is a, there's a special need in the building we want to pray for. Jaden, Jaden's stepfather, uh, Donnie Fieldpot is in critical condition down in North Carolina. We want to pray that God's going to heal him. They, they've given him a 72 hour window to live. And we believe God can wake him up and he's in a coma right now. We believe God can turn this around. Would you lift your hands and pray with me right now? God, we pray for Donnie. Was baptized in Jesus' name here. Oh Lord, he belongs to you, oh God. I pray that you would move upon him. I pray that you would touch him this morning. Oh God, do a work in him. Resurrect him from that condition. I pray that you would touch his life. Touch him in the name of Jesus. 
also pray for Brother Sharp that you would bring continued healing to his body. I pray that you would do a work in him, oh God, as well. Lord, right where he is, touch Elder Sharp, I pray. Let your spirit move upon him, I pray. Oh God, let the Holy Ghost also fall in this room. Let everybody in this building, oh Lord, that you would touch in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. The book of Esther chapter two. I believe in this building right now that there is a war against our soul. Paul even said in Romans, he said, when I would do good, evil was present. There is an opposing enemy. Do you believe that? Another verse says, the adversary of our soul. And I'm so glad that we have a place like this to come to where curses can be removed, where the attack of the devil can be stopped, where winds can be ceased, and where lives can be changed. Can you say amen? I'm gonna preach to you today from the book of Esther, but I do wanna say that next week, next week is God's house offering weekend. It's where we come and we let God speak to us about giving toward this building. Years ago, God spoke to me and said, because this church has invested in so many uh, other cities, other fields, other countries, he said, I'm gonna pour it back in and I'm gonna bless this house. We call it God's house. We have, we have missions weekend in the fall and God's allowed us to have a God's house weekend in the spring. I do believe we, I do believe we are able, gonna be able to pay off the mortgage of these renovations so we can do some other things. Uh, we are looking right now and this week should be able to meet a structural engineer hoping that we can maybe raise the roof at least in the back and have a gymnasium where Leggett Hall is. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be something? have a gymnasium for our Anchor Christian Academy, as well as uh, the benefits of this local assembly and all of our daughter works can use that facility as well. But I believe we're able to do that. Our mortgage is around 470,000. And I thought to myself with what we already put through this, I believe we can pay that off. I do. How's that gonna be done? God has blessed you to give. That's how God, he, he gives it to us to give. Uh, we are blessed and blessed in the process. And you say, how could that be done? And uh, there's ways. I believe God's gonna speak to us individually. If 40 people gave $10,000, it'd be done. If 80 people gave 5,000, it'd be done. If 160 people gave $2,500, it'd be done. And everybody can give something toward that. But this week I'm asking you to pray that God would speak to you about giving toward God's house. And uh, I think even our children can give because it is a blessing to give. How many know that? And the Bible says they gave according to the blessing they had received. And I believe God is going to use us. I've been praying and seeking God about this. But I believe next week's going to be an amazing week in God's house. And how many have been blessed because you gave to God's house? It's, it has been a blessing. My goodness, I feel so blessed. And I, I am, listen, we had, we had the Raymond Woodward scheduled for next week. And uh, he can't come because of Canadian quarantines. That if you leave, you have to go back and you have to be in a hotel for like two weeks and it's just chaos to be able to come here. So he had, he had to cancel, unfortunately. We'll get him rescheduled. But I do feel like God has given me a word for next Sunday morning. And I'm gonna be preaching our God's house weekend next Saturday, this coming Saturday and Sunday. But then on Sunday night, we got a prophet gonna be here. Amen. Brother Bobby Wade, I believe he's gonna be used of the Lord. 
How many have been praying? I asked y'all to pray earlier this year that God would send us a prophet. I believe we have that and there's going to be more to come. But would you lay your Bibles down? Let's just pray what God's going to do in this service today and through this week. Would you lift your hands? God, we love you. We thank you for what you've given to us. Lord, I pray today that you'll bless everybody in this building. And Lord, that today there would be a change in our lives because of the word that's going to be preached in this room, the atmosphere that is already here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we have church tonight at 6 p.m. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. Esther 2, verse 5. Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jar, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. It says who had been carried away from Jerusalem with captivity, with the captivity which he had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. I preached a lot about the Babylonian captivity in the last 10 months and about going to Babylon. Babylon, a place of uncertainty. And I've preached about Ezra and it was just a delay and talked about Hezekiah and, and uh, or Haggai and Zechariah. This is the same time period as this, but this is another story. And it's talking about Mordecai. It says, and he brought up Hadassah. That is, everybody say Esther. His uncle's daughter. That means that was his cousin. For she had neither father nor mother. And the maid was fair and beautiful. When Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. Mordecai adopted his cousin would have been a younger cousin and he raised her or trained her up as his own daughter. I'd like to preach to you from this scripture because Mordecai represents the church. Esther represents all of us that were without a father, a heavenly father, that we have come in and been adopted, amen, to do something great for God. How I many know now we have a heavenly father? Can you say amen? Amen. Without direction, without clarity, without anything in our life, Esther represents a statistic of what could have been. But God used Mordecai to make a difference in her life. And I'd like to preach from this, from this scripture today, my church, my story. Amen. Would you love the Lord before you're seated? My church, my story. Would you love him? God, we love you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I certainly do not want to, I, I, I don't want to um, insult the mothers today because I'm smarter than that. But when you're dealing with statistics, there is not one statistic that I could have ever found on what, happens, on what happens with the child in the absence of their mother. But it's unbelievable the amount of statistics on what happens when the father is absent. Right now in America, according to the census of 2020, in America right now there are 18.3 million children that are in fatherless situations. 18.3 million 
That is 10 times the population of West Virginia. That you'll find that children are in the absence of a father. When you realize the absence of the father, statistics say that they are four times greater risk of poverty, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, two times more likely to suffer obesity, more likely to commit crime, and two times more likely to drop out of high school. Could I say we have focused for a year on a pandemic, but there is an epidemic of fatherless children. Please hear me today to understand that when you read in the story about the children of Israel, the Jews that have been scattered all over the known world, which was called Persia, 127 provinces or kingdoms and uh, in that day and, and uh, defined that the Jews were scattered all over the world in that known world, uh, a, a world that on the map would have been from Africa through Egypt all the way over to India, up in toward Russia, all the way across, even back up into the modern day Europe. It was the known world. Jews were scattered everywhere. Can I tell you today that there was a young lady by the name of Hadassah that in the Babylonian captivity received the name Esther. And here she is in Shushan and her parents died. Nothing worse could happen than to be in a world they don't belong in. Away from Jerusalem, the sacred place where God had placed his name, than to end up with no direction in her life. She was an orphan in a strange land. And if she would have just went into the hands of anybody, who knows what her story would have been. But there was an interventionist that stepped into her world by the name of Mordecai, who was a lover of God and a lover of God's word. He didn't have to do it. He chose to take her into his world. And this young lady that was moldable, she was formable to become something. He came in at the right time, pulled her into his own and trained her up in the ways of the Lord because there was something great in her future. I think we ought to thank God for people like this. I'm not here today to talk about fostering. I'm not here today to talk about adoption. I'm here today to talk about the church. Can I say that the future of Esther lied in the hands of a Mordecai? Who she, would, who she would become, what would be her future, the gifts that God had put in her that would surface all happened under his care and his responsibility. May I say to you that every time somebody walks through the doors of these church, they could be a modern day Esther. We don't know their background. Everybody in this building has a story. She I imagine at some level would have battled something called abandonment. People had left her. It was out of her circumstance. I know that her parents died. I'm not speaking ill of her parents, but what I am saying to you that she found herself in a crisis that was out of her hands and she needed direction. There are people that will walk through the doors of this sanctuary. They're gonna pull onto this parking lot and they're living in situations that they did not create. Things that happened that were outside of their hands.
sins. And can I remind you, everybody in this building, you've come from somewhere. There was a crisis somewhere in your life that was out of your control. But aren't you glad there was a church that intervened in your life uh, that changed the direction of your future? Could I preach to everybody in the building that when you came to this church, your marriage was in crisis. Your children were on the brinks of chaos. Their direction could have went any way, but there was a church. There was a Mordecai that stepped in and said, I see something beyond statistics. I see something beyond chaos. I see a future and I see a destiny. Somebody say amen. Come here, Maddie. Come and help pastor. You're, you're, you're going to be Esther today. We love this young lady. Amen. Sit, sit right there. When, when she came into his life, he didn't see her as his cousin any longer. It was no longer somebody else's responsibility that he's just picking up the pieces no, no, no. The Bible says that when he took her into his life, he, he brought her in as his own. Meaning, you're my daughter now. That when you come, I, I see you as my own. I'm not going to give you 50% of what I can give because, you know, let me just say this, that, that there's no saints kids and then just guest kids. Can I say it this way in our bus ministry of this church? We don't have our, our children and bus children. There's no anchor saints and then just, well, they're, they're, they're just people visiting. No, no, no. When we make a commitment, we make a commitment that every single person that comes to this church, they are an Esther that God's going to use in 2021 to make a difference. What I'm saying is, whether you was raised in church, your fourth generation, or this is your first service, we believe that there's something great in you, that there's something amazing in your life. He, when he looked at her, he saw her as something special. When they looked at him, they saw that young person, they saw something special. Mordecai didn't see just another, another number in the house. No, he saw them as something God was going to do something amazing with. And so the Bible says that he gave her commandments to live by. He did. Every home ought to have commandments to live by. There's things we don't do. There's things we don't wear. There's places we don't go. There's things we don't say. And uh, he gave her commandments to live by. Why? Because he knew that she was wonderfully made. She was fear, fearfully and wonderfully made in the hands and the eyes of God. And so he trained her up in his own home. He, he didn't just feed her. He trained her. How many know there's a difference between, tra between training up and raising children? You, you know, sort of, sort of when you, you, you raise chickens, you train children. All I have to do with chickens is just throw grain out on the ground and they'll they go to sleep. They'll eat. Can I say with our children, we do not just throw the gospel out on the ground and let everybody come and eat it. You've got to be intentional. There's training. There's expectations that you have for people. And I want you to know that children will live up to the expectations in which you set. 
Can I say this generation that's coming up, the problem in some churches, they have no expectations of the children. They do not have expectations of the young adults. They don't have expectations of the children to come. But Mordecai had expectations for Esther. You're not just a, a, a person sitting at my table. I'm going to feed. No, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a destiny for you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Every young person needs a Mordecai to step in the world and say, listen, I'm glad you're here, but God's got something great. You don't need to talk like that. You're above that. You don't, you don't need to think that way. God's got something better for you. We need somebody in our life coaching us and saying, listen, you're better than that. Don't you say that. Don't you do that. God's got a plan. Somebody say amen. Had a kid in Crooksville one time. He came up to me. I was getting ready to get in the van and my Bible was laying there and he walked up. He's six years old. He said, I was in a suit and tie. He grabbed my Bible. I, I, don't, I don't know where he went. He just... Neighborhood kid, he came over with Trevor and he, he grabbed my Bible out of the van. Ellie, he grabbed my Bible out of the van. He was six, I remember, I asked him how old he was. He grabbed my Bible out of the van. He's opening the pages like this. He looked at me, he said, are you a coach? I said, sometimes. Well, what are, I'm a, I'm a preacher. He said, what's a preacher? <laughs> he never even heard of the name Jesus. I said, I preach about, he never, never, never even heard of the Bible. But you know what? Sometimes we need a coach. We need somebody in our life that says, no, there's something better for you. There's something great for you. And all of a sudden, there's something that happened in all of the kingdom. The queen, the queen had refused to come before the king, and so he's going to replace her, you know. And, and so he sends out this letter to the entire known world that every fair maiden that would like to become the queen could appear before the king. And oh, man, this, this is the Cinderella story unfolding. There's no glass slippers, there's no mice, and there's no fairy godmothers. There's no pumpkins. There, there, there's a decree. Any fair maiden can come. Mordecai goes, when he gets it, he says, I think you're it. Hold on, me? Me, you? Papa? Me? You think I could be the queen? Oh, yeah. There's some batch of special. There's 127 nations. You ain't ever seen such a promenade all your life. Me? Yeah, you. And so the, 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 the law was come in and you get one year's time to beautify. That's a lot of time to get pretty. <laughs> Bathing in spices and myrrhs and and, and uh, uh, removing blemishes. and I, I don't know what all they do. Oh, I know in my house there's a lot of hairspray. <laughs> we should have invested in hairspray a long, long time ago in Apostolic Church, amen. And uh, beautification for a year. The Bible says they chose other things, but when Esther went, she only chose what the king required. What the change? You know, there's always these fads going on. You remember the 1980s hairdos? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, frizz and hairspray and, you know, you know, poodle skirts and bell bottoms. And when I was in school, they pegged the jeans. I mean, just looked ignorant. You do it because everybody's doing it. 
That's what everybody else was doing. They was bringing their modern fads, but she only required what the king wanted. What does the king want out of my life? Doesn't matter what the world's doing. What does the king want out of my life? What, what, what does he want? The Chamberlain is the word of God. That tells you everything you need to know about him. We're, not, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in ba- Babylon, but we're not Babylonians. We, we belong to another city. We, there, there's a new Jerusalem. I, I've got a mansion over there. I, it's just waiting on me to get to the other side. I, I, my daddy's a king. Listen, Esther. Listen, your God is the King of kings and Lord of lords and you're special and you're wonderfully made and God has a plan for your life. And, and, and all of a sudden that, and, and, and she required only. And so after a year of beautification, all these people, that here come this, here come this presentation of all these, all these fair maidens from, the, from all of the earth. They come before him and he's just looking. All of a sudden when Esther steps into the picture, come here, Esther. When Esther steps into the picture and he's sitting back and looking and judging, when he sees her, he didn't need to see anybody else. She is something turned in him. That's who I want to be my bride. How many know one of these days we're going to stand before the king? I want to be chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. I want to, how many want to be chosen to be the bride of Christ? Amen. I want to be the bride of Christ. I, I really do. He wasn't choosing all the cool people that everybody they're doing all the fads and the, the, their, their, their little things they did from their countries. and No, 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 no. He was looking for somebody that wanted to please him, not the world. And when he saw her, he, he chose her to be his queen. But Mordecai had said this. He said, don't tell them that you're a Jew yet. You wait. And the Bible says she obeyed that commandment as she had his other commandments. She did not, you be seated. She did not tell him or the king or the chamber or anybody that she was a Jew. During this time, something had happened. Uh, the king, Xerxes or Ahasuerus, same one, he, he had this guy that he raised up. His, his name was Haman. Haman was his second man. He, he was his assistant. He was, had the most authority in all of the known world besides the king, this king of Persia, Ahasuerus. And Haman let it get to his head. I mean, I mean you're looking at a guy that, that, that has the signet. He, the king had given him his ring. How many have seen that where you melt wax, put on a letter and you stamp it? How many ever looked at your marriage license and there's a stamp there that's a it's a stamp of authority and that, that it gives it validation. He could stamp a law and it would be the law for 127 provinces. I mean, he's a pretty powerful guy. But something happened. He let it get to his head. Haman in the scripture, he represents the devil in your world. Mordecai's the church. Esther's you. It's your story. It's how God, the, the word of God, the chamberlain, the word of God. There's all these parallels that you'll find in the story. Haman is the devil. Somebody shout the devil. There's a devil in our life. There's a devil in your world. And you know what he wants to do? Watch what happens. The, the, the devil, Haman, Haman, let's call him Haman here. Haman steps out from the king's gate. He's high and mighty. He's got all this gear on. He's got the ring. You know, he, every now, I bet he, when he stamps, he probably goes, he's powerful. He's the man. He steps out of the king's gate. And when he does step out of the king's gate, 
Here is Mordecai that we will not bow to him, even though the law was to bow to Mordecai. He will not bow. When he, when he doesn't bow, he gets so angry that he makes a law that says, I will kill every Jew in the world. And he sent a letter to every province with permission that on March the 7th of the next year, every Jew, every Jew in the land would be killed. And here's how it will happen. He tells every citizen under the Persian rule that if you kill a Jew, you get their property and their land and anything that belonged to them. You can kill them on March the, March the 7th of that following year. One year later, he sends this letter all over 127 provinces. And, and all of a sudden, one day, somebody comes to Esther and says, Mordecai, he's out in the gate and he's in sackcloth and he's weeping and he's grieving and he's mourning and he, he's out there and he's in agony. And, and, and she, she said, go ask him what's wrong. They went and asked him what's wrong and he said, sent word to Esther. He said, Esther, there's a law that's been written that every single one of the Jews are going to be killed on March the 7th. Something has to happen. I'm grieving. I'm praying. I'm interceding. You listen to me. There has been a law written that wants to destroy every Christian family, every saint's kid, every person that lives for God, everything that belongs to God. The enemy will love to destroy this church, every daughter work, every work that we have. He would love to destroy every single thing in this room. Do you know that there's a devil that would love to destroy you and your family? Listen to me. This isn't some country club church where we just come and twiddle our thumbs until I say you're dismissed. You go, there is a work to be done. There is an enemy that's on the loose that would love to destroy us and our families. He would love to get to my kids. He would love to destroy our babies. Is there anybody here that grieves every time you hear of another overdose, you hear of another chaotic moment, that you hear of another suicide? Is there anybody in the church, is there a Mordecai here today that grieves for what the devil's trying to do to our nation, what he's trying to do to our city? I wish there was a Mordecai that would stand up right now and say, Pastor, I'll pray with you. Pastor, I'm gonna seek God with you. I don't want our city to fail. I don't want our city to fail. Help us to become concerned about our people. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be realistic with you right now. There is an enemy of your marriage. There is an enemy of your children. There is an enemy of your soul. How many believe that? What are we going to do about it? He started seeking God. And he, she, sends word to, uh, she sends word to him. Uh, 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 he sends word to her. And, and uh, he said, listen, you've got to go to the king. She sends word back. She said, I haven't talked to the king in 30 days. I don't know what he's doing. And I know one thing, that you can't go to the king without an invitation. Esther is like this timid lamb that, that when she comes in, she, it's almost, she feels out of place as if she doesn't belong. It's, it's I'm here, but you know, this is out of my out of my caliber. It's, it's like the guest that comes to church for the first time. They, they feel something, but they're just intimidated. Yeah. Come to the anchor and they're looking around and clapping their hands and everybody, you know, let's all lift their hands and they go. Esther's in the building. She's timid and she's shy. 
uh, uh, words of affirmation are spoken to her, but come to pray and is it okay for me to go pray? I don't know. Is it all right for me to go to the altar? Get, in, get invited to sing in the choir? Get invited to be in the ministry? You're nervous and you're scared because it's just new to you. It's not that you're uncomfortable. It's just, it's just new. Sometimes it's awkward. And Really, do you think I've really got the goods to be here? Do I, do I really belong here? I, I'm an orphan. I, I, in the back of her mind, there was a Mordecai that said, you are somebody. There is a destiny in your life. Most of her life, she had to live after the words of affirmation of her pastor, the affirmation of her church, the affirmation of somebody that believed in her when she didn't believe in herself. And that is what the church is about, is believing in you when you do not believe in yourself. Pastor, I'm the one without a daddy. I'm the one that woke up in chaos. I'm the one that my parents walked away from me. I'm the one. I'm the one. Can I tell you, you might have been the one in the chaos, but you're going to be the one that's going to change the world. You're going to be the one that's going to change a nation. You're going to be the one. Hey, listen, I'm the one that was out of church for years and years. Can I tell you, he brought you back to the fold. He brought you to this church so he can bring destiny in your life. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you have a story. Just for a few seconds, I want you to remember the first time you came to the church. What were you like when you first came to the anchor? Your first service here, would you close your eyes and just think about it for a moment? Whether it was under Brother Ferris or Brother Smith or myself, what was it like when you first came? What condition were you in? Were you, were you, was your life a mess? Chaos in your life, you were empty-handed. What was it like when you first came? You can be seated. And uh, what was it like when you first came? Esther lived in that. Bear with me here for a moment. Came to, now what is my church? And I have a story. And uh, man, I feel something in the Lord right now. Timid, shy, here you are right now in the house of God. I told the Harden family, I said, I'd go through the whole pandemic again just to see their family in the house of God. Come in and sit on the back row. You know, do we belong here? Are we going to be accepted here? Come on, you know how we are. Guests come in the building. When they pull in the parking lot, they're trying to make up their mind. Am I going to be allowed? Am I going to be welcome? I don't know if I fit in. I don't, I don't know. I, and we have people that come in and say, if they only knew, knew where I've been, what I've done, would they still love me? Would they still accept me? Let me tell you something. Anybody's welcome at the church. Anybody. Anybody. The statistics were against you. But somebody stepped in your world, protecting you from a future, Esther. And said, instead of statistics, I'm going to have greatness for you. And he brings her in. Let, let, me, let me just tell you what happens. Esther, Esther says, what do, I, what do I do? You need to go to the king. Me? Me? You want me to go to the king? Who do you think I am? The queen. It's hard to do things when you don't see who you are. Right. I wonder sometimes when she looked in the mirror, she saw an orphan instead of the princess. And I've spent a lot of my ministry trying to get you to see yourself as the bride of Christ instead of what you used to be in the world. Every Sunday, bringing a mirror out. This is who you are. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And then you, hold on. Then you come to the next service, timid and shy. And, you know, you sit down. Huh? 
You know, I, I, wonder, I wonder if they even know if I miss. I wonder if they even recognize that I'm here. You've been chosen by God. Handpicked. The elect of God. The apple of his eye. You're the fairest of the land. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And the reason we do not move into destiny is not because of who we, who we are not, but because who we do not see who we are. We don't see ourselves as God has made us. The past is gone. The future is bright. And the devil's had a bad day when I recognize who God has made me into. Watch this. And he says to Esther, he says, do you think for a minute that you've come for the kingdom for such a time as this? Esther, wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. I know we sprung forward, but we fell behind. Wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. You've got to wake up and realize that now is the time. God's not talking about 10 years from now. We not, might, not even, might not even be here. He said, Esther, now is the time. Do you think you're in this church out of 50 states, out of every country in the world, that God has chosen you to come here? He's chosen you for a now moment. Come on, Esther, you're not the queen for no reason. He's chosen you as a Jew to raise up, to do something powerful. Somebody shout right now. Look at your neighbor and say right now. I'm talking about right now. God has put it in your hands. God has put it in your spirit right now. He said, Esther, I want you to go to the king. He said, don't think for a minute that you're gonna be spared because you're the queen. He said, the, the decree is to destroy every single one of you. Esther, Esther, God's gonna send another deliverer if you don't go in, but you'll be lost. Listen, you have giftings, brother, sister Bell. You, 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 you've, got, you've got gifting, sister Carolyn, sister Martha. God's brought you to the kingdom for now. I can't wait until next year to try to figure out who I am. I wish somebody would jump to your feet and shout, I know who I am. I am the bride of Christ. I belong to him. He is my husband. Amen. I've got a work to do. She said, okay, I'll do it. You may be seated. I'll do it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to call the church on a three-day fast. How about this coming Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? Three days of no food. Somebody's belly just growled. <laughs> what? I told you we were going to do a three-day fast, but I feel it's time to do a three-day fast. I warned y'all in January... We come out of that media faster for 30 days. You're like, pastor forgot. and didn't forget. I just feel like the time is now. She called him on no food, no water. I'm not going to say no water, but I'd say no food for three days. Starting Wednesday. We'll end on Friday night. So Wednesday through Friday, I want us to do a three-day fast. Look at your neighbor and say amen. You just committed to it. Amen. I believe that something's happening right now. You say, but I'm a diabetic. You got you to work with the limitations that you have. But I think we can find ways to fast. Amen. Somebody say, I love you, Pastor. Love you. Amen. I haven't done this in a while, but I feel this. She said, we got to fast. Something has to be done. Something has to change in our city. Something has to change in our nation. And uh, lift your hands and say, God, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Every, every hand in the building lifted. Would you do that? God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. 
There's children lost on our streets. There's young people that don't have a clue where to go, what to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help us, Lord. Oh, God, in Jesus' name. The entire, however many people they can get involved from that, from Shushan, they got them fasting and praying. How many believe fasting and prayer still works? Look at your neighbor and say, it still works. Some things only happen by prayer and fasting. I feel a breakthrough in this city. But I believe Esther's got to go on a fast and do some things. We're going to go into prayer and fasting this week. We've got a prophet coming. I believe something's going to happen in the next revival. Do you believe that? Let's clap our hands and thank him for it. She goes on a fast. After three days, knowing the nation, she gets up. I imagine she fixed her hair the way the king wanted her to. She got on his favorite dress. She maybe wore the, 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 uh, the Rose of Sharon perfume. I don't know. But she, she, she went in. She went in and knocked on the door. You don't go before the king without any invitations to the law. But when she went, he said, Esther, Esther. See, isn't it amazing we're afraid to approach God because we're afraid we won't be accepted. And he's been waiting on you to come. Listen, if there's one thing I battled in this city, it is, it is the spirit the spirit of, of uh, um, lack of confidence. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't, I'm not accepted. I, I'm not valued. Uh, I'm inadequate. That's what we battle in this city. And it's not the will of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you are somebody. Come on, let's just preach. Help the preacher preach. You're going to preach. Everybody in the building is going to become a preacher right now. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to prosper you. Look at him and say, you're looking good. I like you. God loves you. Do you believe that? There's nothing like the church. Amen. And the, see, the devil wants to think that you came, from a, you came from a monkey. Lips of a lobster. It's what they told me when I was there. You came from a lips of a lobster. No wonder people have issues. Afraid to go to Red Lobster. Glory to God. Might be eating your cousin. I mean, I mean it's crazy. But it, it's an agenda. It's a doctrine of athe atheism to say you're not valuable. You won't be missed if you die. You won't be missed if you're not here. That's the spirit of our world. It's a trick of the enemy. And watch this. He said, Esther, you've got to go. You, you've got to go before the king because there's this guy named Haman that has written a law for all the Jews to be killed. And she said, okay, I'll go. And he goes, Esther, Esther, oh, Esther. It's, I've had a rough month, but it's so good to see you. What can I do for you? Oh, she said, oh, king. She said, oh, king. She's nervous. She's scared. She's just glad he didn't kill her. That's how some people live for God. I'm just glad he didn't kill me this week. I mean, my lands. I, I don't know why he wouldn't kill me. I was terrible. I was, listen, that's not God. His mercies are renewed every morning. Man, I feel like preaching to this church. Because you're about to change in just a few days. Something's about to happen because you go to the throne room. She said, King, I've made a banquet for you. She said, and I'd like you to bring Haman. I want you to bring, I want you to bring Haman with you. Oh, this is where the story gets really good. Are y'all ready for this? She said, and then she disappears and, 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 and the king goes, tells Haman and goes out and says, come here, Haman. You're going to be the devil. <laughs> Haman, Haman, I, I just... The queen, Esther, just came in and she's prepared a banquet for just me and you. 
Square your shoulders. Button your suit that you're not wearing. And Haman, Haman goes home. And I, you know, I don't know how to strip, but if I could, I probably would right now. But I'd trip. He struts all the way out of the palace. You strutting? Let me get on this side of you. Hide me. He goes all the way home and he, he walks into his house and he's got his nose up in there. His wife said, what are you up to? His wife says to him, what are you up to? Well, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to tell you. But out of everybody in the known world, the queen has requested for me to go to dinner with the king and her. Just me and them. Can you believe that? Oh, well, you are somebody, Haman. You know, you really are. She knows he's arrogant. And uh, he's so excited. And he leaves and he comes out, comes out of the king's gate. And when he comes out of the king's gate and rejoicing about his invitation, he comes out in Mordecai standing there like this. And when he walks by, he stops and looks at Mordecai and wanting him to bow, Mordecai just stands ahead. He, he doesn't even pay him any attention. He's not going to bow before anything. That's why they got kicked out of Jerusalem because they were worshiping idols. He's not going to do it now. See, there is a world. There is a church that will not bow before the ways of this world. Come on, we're the church. God has put it in us. We will not bow. Hey, I might have to preach from prison one of these days, but I'm still going to be preaching because we're not bowing to the ways of the world. Can you say amen? We're going to stand for the word. Come with me. Somebody shout hallelujah. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. Haman, Haman gets so furious that the Bible says his rejoicing over his invitation was ruined because Mordecai wouldn't bow. So he goes home and he has another conversation with his wife. He goes back, he said, he said you're not gonna believe what happened. He said, you know that Mordecai, that Jew, teeth are gritting, veins are popping out of his neck. That's the AKB version. Aaron Keith Bounds version, that's not in there. I'm just picturing that's why he's furious. He said, Mordecai wouldn't bow before me. I got an invite. He has no clue that, he has no clue that Esther was raised by him. He has no clue that Esther's a Jew. He has no clue who he's messing with. And he tells his wife, and she said, well, there's a law you have to be bound. Why don't you just build a gallows? Build a gallows 50 feet tall. You're mad when you build a gallows 50 feet tall. It doesn't take one that big. 50 feet tall. She said, and tomorrow go to the king and request for him to die. He says, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. So the next morning he gets up, the gallows is built. He's making his way to the king's palace to go in to ask to kill Mordecai. Are y'all having a little bit of time? You got to hear this story. You, you got to hear this story. You're going to think, I didn't read that in there. And uh, he goes in, he's making his way to the king because he wants to kill a Jew. And, but during the night, God wouldn't let the king sleep. And he's disturbed. So he gets up and starts searching the records because something's missing. What the Bible calls the Chronicles, he reading, he scans down, he looks, and there's a name Mordecai. This man saved your life. He uh, uh, unveiled the plot from Chamberlain's that wanted to kill the king. And he wakes up and he asks somebody that serves in his kingdom, he said, who... Whatever happened in the morning, what, what do we ever do for this man that saved my life? They said, you haven't done anything. About that time, Haman walks in to request the death of Mordecai. When he comes in, the king stops and said, hey, I've got a question for you. If I was going to honor somebody in all the kingdom that did something honorable and worthy, what would you, Haman, what, what do you think I should do? He said, you know what he's thinking? 
I'm the one invited to the banquet. I'm the one with the signet. You know what? Let's go all out in his mind. He said, hey, come here. He, he said, you know what I would do? He's picturing himself. He said, take the king's crown and put on his head. Take the king's robe and put on him. Put him on the king's horse and escort him through town and say, this is a man that the king would like to honor that's worthy of the king's honor. Escort him up and down the streets and parade him through the whole community. He said, great idea. I want you to do that for Mordecai. <laughs> he came to kill him and now he's about to honor him to the whole world. And so he puts, he has to put a crown on Mordecai's head, the guy that won't bow before him. And he, listen, listen, you got to understand what I'm telling you today. The devil's been doing everything he can, plotting to destroy you, but the devil has no clue. It's about to turn around and God's going to honor his people. God's going to set them above and not beneath. He's going to be in, come on, in the city, in the field. He's going to bless his people. Somebody shout glory. I want you to look at two or three people and say, this is our day. The devil's had his day, but God's, God's about to parade his people through the known world. There's gonna be a revival. There's gonna be a harvest. Come on, there's gonna be a breakthrough. There's gonna be a glory. There's gonna be a presence. There's gonna be, come on, I'm talking about you right now. Somebody shout amen. Everybody's gonna know who Mordecai is. Somebody shout, God's about to do it. He leads him through and he gets home. He's so mad. I got to have something to throw here. He's mad. He gets home at the parading Mordecai. He comes, walks in the door and he goes, you're not going to believe what happened today, tells his wife. You're not going to believe what happened. You know that Jew would never bow to me? You know, and I made the law to kill all the Jews because of that one man. Guess what the king had me to do? had to escort that jerk up and down every street. Had to put the crown on his head, the king's robe upon him, put him on the king's horse and escort him and told him about how amazing he was. And then it turns and she says, that guy that wouldn't bow before you, you're about to fall before him. Could I say to this church, the thing that the devil hates about you is he can't get the glory you get from God. Every time you praise and worship, see, that's what he used to be in heaven. He, he, he had beautiful pipes. He, he would, the, even all of those angels were decorated in jewels and emeralds and all that thing. And when they would start worshiping God, the glory would shine off of God, reflect off of them. It was like sparkles through the universe. It was like all these array of colors that would go. Well, because of Lucifer one day, he was not always the devil. He used to be Lucifer, one of the, one of the three angels that was around the Lord and got cast out because of, his, because of his pride, wanted to be equal with God. And he gets angry every time God blesses you. That's why he's furious when you get up and say the Lord's been good to me. Every time you come to the house of God and lift your hands and say he set me free. I come to tell you he hates that you have, you have favor with the king. He hates it every, I'm telling you, that's why every service we ought to come in praising him and say look what the Lord has done. Look what God has done in my life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel something in this room because Esther is not always gonna be timid. Can I have just a few more minutes? Come up here, Esther. Come up here. Come up here today. And he has, she has the banquet. I'm telling you, if you believe what I'm preaching, the reverse is about to, the, the curse is about to be reversed. Somebody shout, Satan, Satan. your kingdom's coming down. 
I feel that. Somebody shout, Satan. Satan. Everything you've ever done to me is about to be reversed on you. Esther goes in. she, She sets the banquet. Haman's had a bad day. There's a gallows been built for Mordecai. Esther comes in and says, won't you sit down and eat? Just sit down and enjoy a meal. They get their bellies filled. And the king says, what's all this about? You've had us to come to this banquet, all of this food. What do you want me to do for you? See, watch what happens now. It's, it's no longer just timid Esther that she's trying to approach the king, hoping not to die. Now the king, she has favor, and the king's asking her, what can I do for you? I'll give you half the kingdom. See, that's what the Lord's going to do for his church. He's going to give us half the kingdom. Look at your neighbor and say, God's about to bless me. Come on, if you believe it, somebody ought to shout out. I wish somebody believed that in the room. Say, God's about to bless me. I... Come on, you can be cursed. You can live in a curse if you want to, but I wish somebody jump up and say, God's about to bless me. God's about to bless my family. I fought hell long enough. There's about to be the hand of the king on my life, upon my wife and upon my children. What can I do for you? Half the kingdom I'll give to you. She said, oh, king, I just want to tell you that there's been, there's an enemy in our nation. He has written a law to destroy my people and me. It's going to kill me and all my, and you know, he's like a, he's like a a proud husband. Who? You tell me who's coming against you. I'll, I'll take him out right now. And she says, she said, that wicked Haman Come on, girl. Get your hand out and say, it's that wicked Haman. Say, that wicked Haman. The king said, what? His veins start popping out. His face gets blood red. He's furious at what the enemy's been trying to do to his people. Listen to me right now. He walks out of the room. He finds out that there's been a gallows that's been built for Mordecai, the guy that saved his life that he had to pray through the streets. He said, you take him right now and you hang Haman on the noose. You hang Haman on the gallows. Can I tell you, the devil's had a bad day when Esther realizes who she is. Listen, you are the Esther. You have a story. I know you came in inadequate, but God's about to give you adequacy. He's about to give you boldness. Let's all stand in this room. Listen, Esther, you're about to change the course of a country. You're about to change the course of a nation. But you've got to realize who you are. Somebody shout amen. Amen. The Bible says that when Haman was killed, God gave, gave Mordecai everything that belonged to Haman now belongs to Mordecai. I think you ought to look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to get blessed. I'm going to ask you a great question. Do you believe God can prosper you? You believe God wants to bless his people? Come on, somebody shout, I belong to the king. Half the kingdom is mine. You got to clap your hands and shout about being blessed. I'm telling you that God's going to bless us. I don't preach it often, but it doesn't mean I shouldn't preach it. God's going to bless my finances. God's going to bless my family. God's going to bless my mental health. 
God's going to bless my body. Come on, God's going to bless my wife. He's going to bless my children. He's going he's to surface giftings and creativity. God's going to bless the church I go to. I'm not just a part of a church. I'm a part of the church. Somebody shout, we are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. Watch this. She, she comes in timid. Hope he doesn't kill me. She turns around and says, I know who the enemy is. It's Haman. Elbow your neighbor and point forward and say, it's Haman. I'm sick of what he's trying to do. Come on, girl. Come down here, pastor. You got to get some stomp in your feet. I know you're dainty. I know you're pretty. I know you're girly. But you see, she came into the church as a lamb. But she's about to turn into a lion. When mama starts praying with authority, something starts happening in the family. Listen, I know John declared him as the lamb, which takes away the sin of the world. But when he came out of that grave, he was now the lion of the tribe of Judah. Something happens when I call his name. I said, something happens. The song says, something happens when I call his name. The Bible says, if they would have known what came out of the resurrection, they would have never killed him. The reason they killed him, because he was meek. He was quiet. He was timid. They, he let them whip him. He let them drive nails in his hands. They thought it was weakness. He was just a lamb before his shears done. But when he came out of that grave, he was no longer the lamb. He's now the lion. He's now the authority. He's now the king. Mordecai now has the ring on his finger. Look at your neighbor and say, you got the ring. With me, my, you have the ring. Can you get it off? I can't get mine off. But I guarantee you I can put yours on. Amen. Watch this. Now the church has a signet. It's in the church's hands. Mordecai, whatever law you make, whatever letter you make, I'm going to do it. I'm going to back it up. Come on, I'm not done. I'm almost done preaching. Apostolic preachers have long five-minute endings. But let me, let me, let, hear me right now. I want everybody to get your fist up. You got the ring on the finger. It's called the signet. And whatever I ask in his name, he's going to do it. I get my daughter back in the church. I come against the spirit of suicide in the city. I come against addiction. Everybody comes in here addicted, they're going to leave free. People are coming out of those immoral lifestyles in the name of Jesus. Mordecai has the signet. Whatever law he makes, that's what's going to happen. And you listen, in the end time, whatever you pray is going to come to pass. You're going to prophesy it. You're going to pray it. God's going to hear it. He's going to do it, Brother Sister Perry. How many believe God's going to do something marvelous in the end time? Clap your hands and praise Him.
I wish somebody would prophesy and say, my family's coming back to church. They're coming out of that bondage the enemy is putting them in. Woo! Go ahead, Esther. Pray with authority. Come on, Esther. Come on, you've got a story. This is your church. You're different now because Mordecai came in your life. God's raising up an Esther. He's raising up his church. Watch this timid Esther. The king comes again. Mordecai standing there with a ring. He's the most powerful man in the world next to the king. And that is what we call the church. The most powerful force on the planet is the church. All I gotta do is pray. He hears me when I pray. Come on, you can pray them out of jail. You can pray them out of captivity. We need, come on, we need a praying people. We need a fasting people. Amen. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I believe we can have a breakthrough where thousands of people are impacted by the power of God. But watch, it's no longer Esther coming to the king. The king's coming to Esther. Anything else I can do for you? Watch this. Watch this timid guest. Now, bold saint. Because she knows she's the bride. King, I want you to hang Haman's nine sons. Who would ever thought Esther would talk like that? And I want you to make a law that everybody in the known province world, 120, I want you to let them know that the Jews have a right to defend themselves from the enemy. And that if the enemy comes against them, they will have authority to kill the enemy and to take their possession. Hold on. We're in the world, but not of the world. But somehow God has just given me favor in the world that I'm not of. Come on, Esther. I want you to write a letter. It goes out to the whole world. That Jews have a right to be free. Jews have a right to be saved. And then one day, it was called March the 7th, the day that Haman was going to kill all the Jews became known as the day of Purim. Everybody say Purim. Honey, next year it falls on March the 16th, our 20th anniversary. It's a day that's still celebrated. Everybody say Purim. It's a day that reversed. And one day, because of your prayer, your word to the king, 75,000 of the enemy were killed in one day. And every Jew lived. Is it possible some of our babies might actually be called the devil? The enemy? A Haman in our world? She spoke it. Watch this. Watch, watch how hand in hand. She spoke it. Mordecai stamped it. And God gave it. What I'm telling you is greater things are yet to come in your life. If you have problems in your family, you need to stand up, Esther. Come on, stand up and lift your hands and say, today is my day of victory. They're going to lead us into worship. It'd be a great time to shout. It'd be a great time to pray. It'd be a great time. The, the king hears me. The king hears me. Come on, Esther, lift your hands and pray. The Holy Ghost is going to touch you. Right now in this room, I wish I had a moment, Daddy. 
saved, but I wish there was a mama. I wish there was a grandma that come down here and say, I'm saving my family. Come on, don't wait on anybody else. We're going to have a Bible in Jacksonville. We're going to have a break. Come on, I've got grandbabies that God's going to give me the new ones for. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.